Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. There is some surprising news coming out today about this gentleman called Hunter Biden. He apparently has done some few things, and then he lied about it. And there seems to be some cracks in his story. (laughs) Because he smokes crack? Oh, God. Um, uh, today, we do talk about um, Hunter Biden and uh, some new things. I think the tide is changing. We talk to the New York Post, also the Federalist, to get their point of view on what exactly is happening with the whistleblowers, the IRS, and now the uh, federal attorney who seems to be, this is going to come as a shock, a liar. We'll talk about that and so much more on today's podcast brought to you by Relief Factor. If you're in pain, get out of pain. It's just that easy, right? Just get out of pain. Unless you've tried absolutely everything and nothing works. That's where I was about five years ago. Started taking Relief Factor because my wife said, I'm not going to listen to you whine anymore. And that, I mean, I got to have somebody listen to me whine. I mean, the 10 million of you, that's not enough. So uh, she said, I'm not going to listen to you a lot wine unless you try Relief Factor. And I said, honey, it works on inflammation. That's like ibuprofen. It's never going to work. Never works for me. I tried Relief Factor. Three weeks later, I'm feeling the effects of it. I'm feeling better. I'm stupid. And so I was like, that's not this stuff. I'm just having a good period. I stopped taking it. And ow, I'm taking it again every day. Relief Factor. Get out of pain. Just try it for three weeks. The three-week quick start. It's a trial pack. Um, see if it works for you. If not, stop taking it. You'll know, though, in three weeks. It's relieffactor.com. Relieffactor.com. Or 1-800-THE-NUMBER-4-RELIEF. Here's the podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Stu, I am. Uh, I'm trying to understand this uh, this story about uh, Weiss. He is the attorney from Delaware, the U.S. Uh, U.S. Attorney David Weiss. He told the House Judiciary Committee that he had been granted ultimate authority over the prosecu- uh, prosecutorial decisions related to the criminal investigation into Hunter Biden. Then uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland, he comes up and he testifies the same thing. However, if you actually read what he said, uh, he said uh, he was asked to provide a letter. And uh, in the letter, he said, basically, I'm trying to find it here. He basically said, look. Merrick Garland told me I was in charge and I make all of the decisions. Now, Congress is saying he lied in that letter um, and it, it goes against other testimony. 
However, methinks I smell an attorney in that letter because what he said was Merrick Garland told me. He didn't say I'm in charge. He didn't say anything. It sounds to me like the uh, Justice Department had an attorney write that letter probably for him, and then he had to sign it. And he was like, I'm not lying. And of course, every attorney will tell you, you didn't lie in that letter at all. Isn't that what the attorney general told you? Yes, but it's not true. I don't have control. We didn't ask that. Is that what Merrick Garland told you? I think that's the game that is being played here. But uh, Sean Davis knows uh, much, much better than than I do on this. Sean Davis is with the uh, Federalist. He is the co-founder and CEO of the Federalist. Sean, am I reading that right at all? Or what do you think's happening? Yeah, I, I don't think that's an unfair read that you're doing. Um, anytime lawyers are involved, we should assume that they're trying to play games with words and trying to say things they're not allowed to say without actually getting in trouble for having said them. Um, right. But I, right. But I will say, I, I think us being on the right, we're used to having to parse things out, and we forget that anymore when you're on the left, there's no consequences for lying. So sometimes it's Occam's mm. razor. Sometimes they just say things that aren't true because they can get away with saying things that aren't true. And, and the reason we know they can get away with saying things that aren't true is that Hunter Biden's not going to prison. I mean, this happens Correct. over and over, especially with this particular Department of Justice, with this FBI. And, and the real rub with this Hunter Biden stuff is we have Merrick Garland and, and David Weiss, the guy who was picked to, uh, to do the Hunter Biden investigation, claiming one thing. And then we have a whole room of whistleblowers who were intimately involved in the case investigating it, saying something that's the exact opposite. And, and it's fascinating. And saying, see- and if I'm not mistaken, Sean, he said not just the exact opposite um, to them. He it, and they're not. They're not just claiming that. Yeah, and then he didn't have the authority. Wasn't he complaining to them or telling them, "Look, I can't make that call. I tried to get, you know, for instance, Washington. I wanted to move the case to Washington, and they wouldn't. Justice wouldn't let me do it." So it's not just that 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 was their thought. He was actually explaining why they couldn't do things, right? That's correct. So, so it happened, according to the several whistleblowers, in an October 7th, 2022 meeting between a bunch of the investigators on the case, tax experts who are at the top of their field, have been working on the case for years, and David Weiss and his team of attorneys out of Delaware. And they were wanting to bring a whole bevy of charges because they had Hunter dead to rights on them. And Weiss said, no, 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 I'm sorry, I can't do that. He, he explicitly told them, uh, I can't change the venue. I can't do this. I asked for special counsel status. That was rejected. And, you know, it, it's easy to say, well, it's a he said, she said kind of thing, except there are contemporaneous written notes from multiple people in that meeting at the time where they all agree that, yes, David Weiss claimed these things, and that they're, they're the exact opposite of what he told Congress two to three weeks ago, and the exact opposite of what Merrick Garland uh, told Congress. So the question is, was Weiss lying in that meeting, or were he and Garland lying to Congress? So either way, he was lying. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that he's a good guy and and uh, just 
was told not to do things um, and then was kind of, you know, had a gun to his head is like, I think you're going to sign this this document. And it's not a lie. Um, but you believe that he could have been um, actually the guy in charge, but he's telling all the underlings. Yeah, I don't have the I don't have the the position to be able to make those calls. I tried and I just couldn't do it. It could be that, and you know, you, there's different ways to reconcile the discrepancies. Um, that's one of them. Any the good way, ways? Like, <laughs> no, not not really. Okay. The other thing right. could okay. be that he decided, well, yeah, Merrick Garland told me I'm not allowed to do that, and that I'd be fired if I did that, and so I decided on my own authority that I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> that's the thing about the left; they all play these word games. But we all know what happened. So, we all know what Hunter did. Right. So when we're looking at um, this game being played, you know, what I said a minute ago, and you know what that means, nothing. Because nothing's going to happen. Nobody's going to go to jail or anything else. I do have a feeling that we are at a turning point with the American people and with this story. I, I, I think the average person is starting to uh, figure it out on their own, even though they d- their mainstream press is not going there at all. There's enough press now that's credible around that is exposing this, that maybe this time it's different. It could be. And, and I'll tell you the reason I think this one might be different is that we have a smoking gun text from Hunter. We have Hunter threatening a, a Chinese uh, Communist Party-connected oligarch. If you don't give me my money, my dad, who's sitting here next to me, he's going to screw you over, and you'll regret it. And two weeks later, they got their money in the exact amount that Hunter had demanded in that text. I mean, it's rare that we okay. ever get anything that clear-cut. So and we haven't. let me ask you. Let Let me ask you this: We've had. All kinds of people go through that laptop. How is it that letter was never exposed? We didn't. We never saw that letter. How? Well, I think the main reason is that the FBI, which had possessed it and authenticated it in December of 2019, almost a year before the election, they went all out to, to cover it up, to hide it, to make sure no one knew about it. And then all we had were you know, various alleged copies of the hard drive floating around afterwards. You had a couple reporters with access to it. Uh, I'll tell you, when I'm trying to find files on my computer that I created like a month ago that I know are on there, it can take me 20 minutes to find out where the computer put them. Can you imagine having to find the needle in a haystack on a computer that's not yours, that's got a gazillion insane photos and nonsense? Hunter, you know, when you're when you're not allowed to use the actual authorities because they're trying to cover it up to find the stuff out, it doesn't surprise me that it's hard to actually find and get out there. Hey, Stu, would you put a call into Peter Swiser and see if he has a second to pop in? Because he's very thorough and I'm shocked that he didn't he didn't see that. And he'd be able to really answer with authority on how difficult it is to uh to find these things. Sure. So um, Biden and his son met uh, at Camp David over the weekend. Obviously, they are um, coordinating and working with attorneys on this. 
How nervous do you think the White House is on this? I think they're starting to get a little nervous um, because, because the heat has been turned so much uh, up so much on this. And it goes back to that text. We've got pictures that Hunter was at his uh, dad's house that very day. So it's not like Biden can claim, oh, that was a lie from Hunter. He was in California. I was in Delaware. No, they were together that day. Uh, Biden, as we all know, is completely incapable of, of explaining this or really anything else himself. Mm-hmm. So they can't rely on him. <laughs> So they, so they have to rely on, on the low IQ uh, press secretary uh, to go out there and explain all this. And what she doesn't say is mm. it stonewalls it. They, they're not used to this type of scrutiny. They, they're used to doing this to their enemies. They're used to impeaching people over a phone call. Um, they're not used to having to defend smoking gun texts. And so I think you're right that this one feels a little different. They're starting to get a little bit nervous. You had John Kirby just straight up walk out of a press briefing when he was asked about it. And the reason is there's no good answers for this. There's no way to explain it away. You just have to uh, try and snuff out the story and, and hope it just dies. I'm going to have to go back in the uh, archives and look at the way the press um, handled it. It's, it's it, with, with uh, Nixon. It's interesting to me. I, I remember reading um, while I was doing the impeachment of Donald Trump that it took them uh, two terms to get it um, to get it out. I think the story broke like a year into his first term, maybe two, and the tide didn't change. Um, and it was in his second term, about halfway through, that finally he had to admit. Um, and that's about the timeline that this is. They've hit it and hit it and hit it, and and now it's finally uh, starting to to come out. But I I'm interested in the parallels. Um, because this president has put himself in a bad situation where his Justice Department is going after a former president for misdemeanors and jaywalking, and he may be in real trouble. Well, if history repeats itself, that means, God forbid, I hate to even say this, Lord, please, no. I don't want to give him any ideas. If Joe Biden leaves... That means Kamala Harris is our president. That's the scariest thing I've ever. You you have Joe Biden, who is completely senile. But in the long run, he's not stupid. She's just like, it might, we might as well have President Rock sitting, not the Rock, just a Rock sitting on the Oval Office uh, desk. Um, she, the, if history would repeat itself, she would pardon the outgoing president to get it behind the country because we all have to come together. But you can't really do that and say you're doing it to bring the country together unless you pardon the other president. What are your thoughts on that, Sean? I, I think that's true, although I guess the, the one argument I would make there is I don't think anyone believes Joe Biden is president right now. And so if he were to leave and they just throw in Kamala, I don't think anything changes because she's not going to be in charge either. I'd almost take the rock. I think I would take just the stationary uh, rock over both of them. It would do less damage. uh, Yeah, and at least the American people would ask the question, wait, who's really running things? Because I think he's eating pudding 
for most of the day and getting his cup of pills. Uh, so he's not running it. Sean, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for everything that you guys uh, do uh, at The Federalist. You're really, really on top of things and really credible. And it is hard to find credible news. And uh, I appreciate The Federalist. Thank you so much. You're very kind, sir. Thank you. This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. From St. George, Utah, where we are trying to help them build Liberty Village. It is an amazing idea. You can find out all the information on it at um, unitedwepledge.org. Um, my wife and I found out about this um, about two or three years ago and became friends with the developers and their goals of teaching American history are, are my goals as well. And so uh, we've we've partnered on on this museum that we're doing now, and uh, I'm bringing it out to St. George. All of the profits go to them, except for the T-shirt sales and the poster and cup sales, because I'm trying not to live under a bridge to put all of these uh, uh, items into a vault or to take them on tour. My wife's a little angry with me, and she's like, why don't you sell some T-shirts and then maybe ask me about buying somebody else's wheelchair or, you know, a signing pen or whatever it is. Uh, So come prepared to buy a cup, a mug, a book. If you're here, um, you you can get the uh, brand new book two weeks early. I tell you not to brag about it. Don't taunt your friends with it um, because it comes out in two weeks. It is uh, the brand new book, uh, Dark Future. And it's really good. Better than the predecessor, I think, um, uh, called um, The Great Reset. It is number two. You don't have to read number one to be able to get the second book um, or understand it. But uh, it doesn't uh, it doesn't hurt. By the way, the audio version of that. And I say this um, kind of sadly because it's a really, really good version. I recorded it last day. I recorded was literally right before i got on the plane i thought we were going to miss the plane because i was running out of the room after i finished and they said wait 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 you have to say the end and i ran back to the mic the end and then i ran to the airport to get here um but it's really a funny version however if you can only afford one and i say this i'm i make more money on the audio version so i'm not saying this for any other reason other than history needs to be preserved if you can only afford one, buy the hardbound book or a soft cover book because you don't own anything online. If it becomes unpopular uh, for some reason uh, or just too much hate speech, it can just be deleted from your library. Not a good idea. A uh, book comes out in two weeks. It's called The Great Reset. You can order it now uh, wherever you buy your books. Miranda Devine is on with us. She is the author of the book Laptop from Hell. Came out, I think, about a year ago. She's the New York Post columnist um, and has been neck deep in this. Ooh, I don't want to say in Hunter Biden, but in Hunter Biden stories. Um, and she's been um, essential in exposing a lot of the things that were on the laptop laptop she joins us now miranda are you there good day hello hi glenn great to be with you hi yeah so miranda um you had the actual laptop right yes well the hard drive which is the the hard drive yes complete replica 
of the laptop. Okay. So how did, I mean, I have a friend, Peter Swizer, who is, he's got a team of people and they're very, very good. I know you're yeah. very, very good. How did we not see the email that says, I'm sitting here on the couch with my dad and uh, we want our money, China? Well, the beauty of that, it's actually not an email. It's a WhatsApp message, uh, which is an encrypted app. Oh. And none of that appears on the laptop. That WhatsApp message was retrieved by the IRS criminal investigators through a uh, subpoena to Apple for Hunter oh. Biden's iCloud. Which, and what, the beauty of that is that, um, you know, the laptop, the FBI had, they authenticated, can you believe it, every single piece on it that it was reliable evidence and hadn't been tampered with and was real. They'd authenticate it um, by as early as February of 2020, but they refused to give it to the um, IRS investigators. And, you know, as Gary Shapley, the whistleblower, um, said in his testimony that was released uh, on Friday, he said, we needed to know, we're looking at how much money Hunter Biden didn't pay in tax. We need to know about that email, about 10% for the big guy. We need to know who's the big guy, where'd that money go, because otherwise um, we will count that 10% and make Hunter Biden pay tax for it. So um, it was. they asked several times for the Department of Justice, for their prosecutors, they said, we need... We need the laptop and they were refused, but they managed to get a lot of the material that's on the laptop through this subpoena for Hunter Biden's iCloud. So that's another way that you can um, prove that what's in the laptop is legitimate because there's a lot of overlap. But of course, they got a lot of things that aren't on the laptop that were deleted or never preserved. How much how much money do you think and do we have a, a, a reasonable idea of how much money the Bidens have made through these kinds of things? Well, look, we have for the first time a definitive uh, number that the second IRS whistleblower, who was the lead case agent on that five-year investigation into Hunter Biden's taxes, he's given in his testimony a figure, now I think it was $18.2 million dollars um, I, I could be out by you know a few hundred thousand there, um, but in that ballpark, say 19, 18 to nineteen million dollars, that came in from um, foreign sources into um, the sort of Hunter Biden, Jim Biden, Devin Archer, you know his various um, partners in crime or you know in business, um, and then out of that the uh, there, there was about nine million, a little over nine million, went directly to Hunter Biden. So he got about half the cut. Um, whether or not ten percent went to the big guy, aka Joe Biden, has yet to be determined. But we know that Hunter got nine million dollars, and he underpaid his taxes um, over that period significantly. Now we know that. Kevin Morris, Hunter Biden's sugar brother from California, the Hollywood um, 
lawyer. He uh, befriended Hunter Biden and was uh, terribly generous to him, paid back $2.8 million, uh, in unpaid taxes last year. Terribly um, generous. Still- <laughs> <laughs> terribly generous. Yeah, that's one nice. Uh, yeah, that's one nice. Oh, it's charity. I was just doing it for a friend. Uh, I mean, I write, you know, uh, tens of millions of dollars of checks for friends, and I never expect to have them do anything for me. Oh, by the way, I'm going to be uh, talking from the press secretary, uh, their podium there at the White House, talking some business later uh, to the press. I mean, it wasn't the uh, goodness of his heart. Is anybody investigating him? Well, look, um, so the tax investigators did not um, treat that that money that Kevin Morris paid as a gift, which would itself have been taxable for Hunter Biden because Hunter Biden said it was a loan. So presumably Hunter Biden will (laughs) repay Kevin Morris with the money he gets from the work he does now as an artist. Uh So uh, Miranda, I mean, what's so crazy, he says it's a loan. That's what he said about the money he was paid from Burisma when they put the money into Rosemont Seneca, he didn't pay any taxes because he said it was a loan and then just never paid it back. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and, it, it, and, and it's just what they, the, these IRS guys who've been doing this for, you know, a quarter of a century between them, they say this is tax, textbook tax evasion. When you, um, you know, you get paid, you put it into another company, you say it's a loan, um, you know, you can't give yourself a loan that you never pay back. So uh, they, they obviously wanted to charge that as tax evasion. But um, that was in 2014, 2015, which when Hunter Biden was living right. in Washington, D.C. And um, turns out David Weiss, the U.S. attorney for Delaware, who was given all of the Hunter Biden investigations that came in from all around the country for some reason by Bill Barr, uh, they all went to Delaware. And David Weiss, um, you know, just asked nicely of the Washington, D.C. U.S. attorney who'd been appointed by Joe Biden, um, if, could I please uh, lay some charges against Hunter Biden in your jurisdiction? And surprise, surprise, U.S. attorney in Washington, D.C., Matthew Graves said, no, you can't. Um, same thing happened in the Central District of California for the later years where Hunter Biden had been living in Malibu and Venice Beach. And uh, no, you can't do it. Another Biden appointee. And David Weiss just meekly accepts that. And then the statute of limitations run out on those, which were the biggest uh, part of the charges, the most serious for Hunter Biden, and also encompassed um, Foreign Agent Registration Act violations. So, in other words, foreign lobbying. There was evidence of that yeah. all over the laptop. And we could never understand why on earth weren't those charges brought. Now we know from the whistleblowers, it's because the Department of Justice allowed the statute of limitations to run out because David Weiss said, oh, well, we can't bring charges because these U.S. attorneys in who were appointed by Biden won't let us. Um, and so... Last October, when um, Gary Shapley, the IRS whistleblower, and his crack team, they're like the SEAL team of the IRS. They are the ones who go, he's collected $2.5 billion of taxes on behalf of of the American taxpayer from all over the the world, actually, um, in his career. So he is 
the number one. He's the, you know, the goat of IRS investigators. And he's he's had this meeting in October with, with Weiss and said, why on earth did you let the statute of limitations run out? And Weiss says, well, you know, I went to the Department of Justice and I asked if I could be made special counsel so that I could bring charges in those jurisdictions and they refused me. Well, now Merrick Garland has come out and said that's not true, that the only person who can make Weiss a special counsel is me and he never asked. Um, and so someone's lying. Um, and that the okay, Republicans so need to I- pull them in. Um, I, I, will, I will tell you, the, my best guess is they're, they're probably both lying to some degree uh, or another. Yeah. Um, but let me ask you, I've, I've got about 30 seconds. You have been on this story for years. Um, yeah, I mean, you were at the post when the laptop was, you know, uh, Russian disinformation and they banned the post from, you know, any social media. Um, do you think we're at a turning point or is this more of the same that's not going to amount to anything or anybody going to jail. I think that the Gary Shapley's testimony and his partner is a game changer because they brought evidence that is separate from the laptop and is not just hearsay or one person's word against Joe Biden's. This is um, evidence, you know, transcripts of interviews with Hunter Biden's former business partners, um, memorialized conversations uh, with six witnesses uh, between Gary Shapley and, um, you know, David White and DOJ prosecutors or, you know, district attorneys who were who were obstructing. Um, so I think there is clear evidence of malfeasance by the Department of Justice involvement of the highest level of the FBI. And, you know, there's two parts of this story. There's the original corruption story, but I think, as with Watergate, the biggest story is the cover-up. And Gary Shapley has laid bare the cover-up, and you can see them now. They are going to try and destroy him, destroy his reputation. Right. Miranda, thank you so much for everything you've done over the years on this story. I appreciate it. Keep it up. Miranda Devine, uh, author of Laptop from Hell and a columnist for the New York Post. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Hello, Stu. What have you learned from today's show? Uh, uh, Unfortunately, too many things about the the Biden family. (laughs) I'd like to know less about them. (laughs) And that's hard to say. Yeah, that's hard to, to, to say, too, uh, learning a lot about the Biden family too much, especially after you've, well, you've seen them, you know, uh, in various, uh, various uh, positions of undress with other people, you know. Uh, so other than that, I mean, you're a slouch, Stu. That's all you learn? I've, I've just oh, done two hours slaving over a hot microphone. You just told me about hot pizza and yet have not revealed what actually went on. So, I mean, I, that would be something you could do if you were going to do your job I just today. wanted to make sure you were listening, okay? Of course. Uh, mm-hmm. Here it is. This is very important. They are not going to take away your stoves if you have a gas stove. Yet, they are. Okay? <laughs> but that's a conspiracy theory. But they've confirmed that they're doing it. But anybody who's talking about it is a conspiracy theorist. Perfect. Easy to understand. Are you following? So far, yes. They are not. Yeah. They're not going to take away your uh, coal or your wood-fired pizza oven. They're not going to do it. Anybody who says they're doing that 
it's a conspiracy theory. Except they are doing it to restaurants in New York. But that's just coal and wood fire stoves that are not being closed that they want closed. And okay? I will say there is no no level of importance, uh, you know, culturally of New York coal oven pizza. That's not like something that, you know, is it important to the city, uh, well-known uh, it's, it, there's just, you know, it's not like pizza from New York is a thing, right? Right. Right. It's like, get rid of the yellow taxi cabs. And <laughs> it, the streets still look the same in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it's not, uh, it's not an important thing to New Yorkers or to, you know, get, for instance, give me any reason to go visit New York. It wouldn't be because of the pizza, because it tastes entirely different. I don't know what it is, but it is an entirely different taste. It's not just the experience. It's a different taste in New York. New York slices of pizza are the best. Some of them are wood, you know, come from wood fire ovens. You can get that same exact quality and taste from an electric oven. (laughs) Now, let me ask you a question. If that were true, can you imagine the paperwork and the permitting and the hassle and the cost of putting in a wood-fired oven in a building in New York? Now, sure, yes, they're not exactly called ovens in many of the best crack houses in new york they're probably called just more of a fire but if you want to do it legally it would be a hassle why would you do that it's not for the ambiance it's because it actually tastes better it's different and uh this guy yesterday went up to city hall and threw a pizza at city hall I, I, if I were there, I would have supported him and then licked the cheese off the wall. Um, but uh, by the way, kids, don't eat the gum you find on the subway. Don't do it. It's not good. It's not good. We learned don't that from the documentary the Elf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, we did. Mm-hmm. We did. Um, and don't lick the cheese. I mean, unless you see the guy and you're there right away where it's still a little hot. Um, I think this guy's a hero. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not I surprised. It. I feel like the goal here seems to be to take away anything you might enjoy in life. Anything that might be pleasant in any particular way must be destroyed. That seems to be the goal here. You can get frozen pizzas. You can. I mean, temporarily. Right now you can. Mm-hmm. And there's no difference, Stu. No. Now, the elite will fly into some place like Naples where they'll have it in the, the brick-fired, wood-fired uh, pizza oven. But you don't need that. You don't need that. No. Not in, no. no, it's funny because the, average the, people. the environmentalists have tried this stuff before, which is like there's a couple different types of things they try to do. Like they try to stop coal-fired power plants, right? 
But no one has a particular allegiance, unless you're in the coal industry, to coal-fired power plants. If the power works, yeah, uh, I don't, don't care. care. Uh, it doesn't matter to me. Coal is mm-hmm. a really good value for some in some regions. It, it works for certain things. But like, if you had nuclear, if you had, if solar actually worked, like I don't, I don't care as long as the power turns on when I want it to turn on. That's my only preference. The other thing they yeah. do is they go after these well, quote that unquote, in a luxury. reasonable price. Right. Yes. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. A reasonable price. In fact, a, a very low price because low priced electricity is the foundation of our civilization uh, when it comes mm-hmm. to pragmatic, non-spiritual mm-hmm. things. That's kind of the most important thing that we have out there. So then you go to uh, the other approach that environmentalists have far less successful, I would argue, for them, which is argue, t- trying to take away things that they see as luxuries that people really enjoy. Like, there was a big movement they had a while ago about trying to take away big screen televisions. And it's like, I don't know if you know any Americans. I don't... <laughs> are there any that you've ever no, met? No, I think they hate Americans. Yeah. They hate Americans. When I was over in London, um, it's a different world. Nobody has air conditioning. They, they're like, ah, we just get used to it. Well, I'm an American. I don't want to get used to it. Now, if I live in Seattle, I grew up without air conditioning. You only need it maybe, maybe three, four weeks out of the year. But in those three, four weeks, I want it. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm an American. We can afford it. I would like it. Make it more efficient. Sure. But you know, one of the other things that pisses me off, the water faucets. If I am living, I went over to London uh, and I turn on the shower and it just pours out. Have you taken a shower someplace with a new water faucet in America? They have they have uh, put a regulator on it. Mm. So now, you know, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, drip, 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 drip. Okay, I got a shampoo under that drip. Mm. It is horrible. Well, Glenn, you should know, and this is something very, very important, uh, that the the restrictions, of course, are put on at, like, at the, uh, like, for example, the shower head is where the restriction is. And if you go on YouTube, I want you to know, if you see a video that explains exactly how to get rid of that thing, you should not click on it (gasps) and use it in your house. Because that I would will be wrong. not. What should I not search for? Um, I will give this. Uh, I don't know exactly what you should not search for, but let me. Uh, I'll look that up here uh, in a second. Because you I'm look not that saying, up and then I've... tell me on the air what we should not search for. Right. Because it is the bane of my existence. I. I. It makes me so angry. I'm on well water. So how, how does that affect you? Well, the aquifer. Shut up. Shut up. My shower is going to run the aquifer dry. Mm. Shut up. Uh, how to remove a to water restrictor from a shower head is not something you should search for on YouTube. If you do that, you may come in contact with a video that would allow you to, in your own home, designate how much water you want to come out of that sh- shower head. Do you want it to be a super soaker extravaganza with high water pressure? You might want that. Um, and you'd be able to do that if you followed the instructions on videos like that on YouTube. And I do not. First of all, I would never do that because it would be wrong. But secondly, I don't want to well, put anyone in a position you. where they might be breaking a local mm-hmm. restriction. Mm-hmm. It would be bad for you. Right. 
It would be very bad, and I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to click on that, and I'm not going to change it, even though I have well water. Um, I don't care. I care about I care about the community mm-hmm. and what life is going to be like. I'm going to try to fix the problems that I know people will be facing in a hundred years from now. Um, oh, yeah. you know, it's like, for instance, thank God, my grandfather saved the best button hook he could ever find. And he was like, you know, when my family, when they are going to be buttoning their shoes, they're going to want the best button hook out there. And he couldn't find it. He, he had one. He wanted a second one. They weren't making them anymore. Mm. And he's like, damn it. In a hundred years, somebody will wish they had this button hook. Yeah. And that's what I want to do. I want to make sure that we are planning a hundred years in the future because we know what their life is going to be like, just like my grandfather did with his button hook. A hundred percent. And now you see that they're trying to get rid of the wood and coal-fired ovens in New York. And that's, of course, predicting what could be going on in a hundred years, just like back in 1900 when New Yorkers came together to come up and try to solve mm-hmm. the biggest environmental issue of the day, which was how Huge. to remove all the manure from the streets from the horses. There yes. were so many horses. And right. as that city grows, Glenn, in 100 years, manure will be piled up everywhere. How do they get rid of it? It was a really crucial environmental issue of the day. And thank yeah. God they solved it. Yeah. I can't remember how they solved it, but they solved it somehow. They solved it with my grandfather's button hook. Okay. <laughs>